This story begins with two men, Mervyn Flanagan and Reginald Wern. Merv and Reg. One man shoots the other. The gunman walks free. Two bystanders are jailed. Key documents are destroyed. The government buries the story. A hundred years on, the lies are folded into history, into stories of martyrs and legends. Stories that are easier to face. One family remembers, while the other forgets. Maybe the coming together of two immovable objects. And how old was my grandfather? He was 32. You're the chair, Anyway, the family stayed on it. And it went the chest infected by... And that Reg came to his assistant. Entered by Reginald Jones. All this could be wrong, Francis. Hi, I'm Francis Morgan. This is The Folded Lie. I've been investigating this killing for 10 years. I was incensed by the injustice and why the story had been largely forgotten. When I spent time with the descendants, I found it's an intergenerational story, the effects still echoing today. But to understand how this 100-year-old killing lives on, you need to know about the Great Strike of 1917. It's one of Australia's largest industrial conflicts, yet it's been mostly forgotten, overshadowed by World War I. One judge, at the time, described it as civil war. It's 1916, two years into the war. Enlistments are falling and Labor Prime Minister Billy Hughes is under pressure to send more troops to the front. Prime Minister Hughes holds a vote on conscription. His government runs a persuasive campaign. Many are split, but the no vote scrapes through at 51%. Meanwhile, the price of rent and food is soaring, up almost a third since the war began. Working families are struggling to hold on to their houses and put food on the table. Tensions are rising, and in an attempt to maintain stability, Hughes had invoked the War Precautions Act. This gave the government power to crack down on anti-war activities and limit media reporting. If it didn't support the war, it couldn't be printed. One independent publication was banned. Reports in the daily papers were wildly one-sided. Despite the government's efforts to stem growing anger, crowds of up to 80,000 people start gathering in one of Sydney's largest parks. Speakers stand on wooden crates under the Moreton Bay figs, demanding that the government do something. The working class finally feel that someone understands their struggles, which are glossed over in the mainstream press. But for the government, the war is priority there's no room to sympathise with the struggles of citizens. The working class feel betrayed by Prime Minister Hughes. Some of his Labor colleagues are in open revolt. 
One stands on the veranda of an inner-city terrace in front of thousands. Our Prime Minister, he says, is a renegade, a Judas, a snake in the grass. In response, Hughes leaves the Labour Party. He takes his allies, joins the Conservative opposition and creates a new party to lead Australia. This also happens at a state level, decimating Labor's ability to effect change for working people. By now it's 1917, the peak of the wall, 22,000 soldiers are killed. On top of that, men leaving their jobs and going to war aren't being replaced. To compensate those left behind, many already working 60 to 70 hours a week are expected to do even more for no extra pay. Still, the government continues telling everyone to do their bit. The words are starting to grate. One day, in the railways, the bosses introduce a new time management system. Workers are told to fill out cards detailing every single task and how long it takes. It's the final insult. As one man said, if you pay me good wages to do a job, you should either trust me or get rid of me. On the 2nd of August 1917, all the men in one railway workshop walk out. This marks the start of the Great Strike. The strike spreads from the railways to the docks, from the warehouses to the factories. The government solution? Bring in the strike breakers, or volunteer workers as they call them, to unionists, their scabs. Most of these men come from the country. They're housed in camps and every night conservative politicians come to visit and speak. One minister says the strikers don't care if the men fighting at the front starve. You stand by the government and I say, God bless you for it. The strike breakers are treated like soldiers, issued with blankets, vouchers for food, cigarettes, beer, and rumour has it, guns. Out on the streets, men provoke each other. Fights begin, shots are fired. Each side believes in its cause, fighting for survival or supporting the government. One hundred thousand men are now on strike. It's here at the peak of the rebellion that Merv and Reg meet. Reg kills Merv and walks away free of all charges. Merv's death is inconvenient for a government needing order. It's also inconvenient for one particular politician who has a lot to lose. The injustice that follows is still haunting the descendants. I mean, here it is a hundred years later and I wish I, you know, I wish I could sit here now and say, well, at least my grandfather got justice, at least he went to jail for, I don't know, you know. I've got to assume the legal events were fair. You can't tell me that all that 
his family, what was one was a politician or something, and they all, you know, he, whatever, and his family praised him. I think it's really easy to say that my grandfather, Reg's brother's influence in the parliament uh, had an effect with the charges being dropped. But I think we've got to trust the legal machinations of the day. You know, do you think my grandfather's brother did three months jail? Look, I care about uh, anything that affects the family's reputation, and I shouldn't, because all families have got skeletons in their cupboard. So what if you're poor? If anything happens, will you want to see justice? That's coming up on The Folded Lie. Episodes will be released over the summer. Be the first to hear the latest by subscribing on your favourite podcast app. This podcast was created with support from the City of Sydney and 2SER 107.3. Ellen Leebeater is executive producer with assistance from Miles Martignoni. Thanks also to Mike Williams and Kirsty Melville. I'm Frances Morgan. This is The Folded Lie.